Hey, this is Caleb Clay, Associate Pastor of Anchor Faith Church here in Valdosta, Georgia. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We believe that it will minister to you and be a blessing to your life. Now get ready to receive a word from God. Matthew chapter 6, if you will. Matthew chapter 6. And, um, I, you know, these last few weeks I haven't gone in any kind of pattern or order. It's good to just be led by the Spirit, amen? amen. And um, it's, it's nice when you get on a tangent and you kind of just go with the flow and uh, when, you know, things are building on one another. And I feel like, you know, we're just kind of capturing some things over these first few weeks of the year. You know, it's still kind of got that fresh New Year feel and, and uh, I just feel we're kind of touching on some subjects and topics that are going to help jumpstart us and help move us, set us up into a position where we can do and receive all that God has for us. And so Matthew chapter 6, we've seen these passages before. We've heard uh, topics, many topics probably on, uh, uh, many messages on these, on the topic of worry. And um, I just kind of want to just go with what the Holy Spirit's kind of shown me tonight, and I want to pick up in Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 25. And uh, Jesus says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. What's the worst thing you can tell someone that's worrying? Don't worry about it. Hey, don't worry. Be happy, right? Do not, don't, don't worry. Don't even think about it. Yeah, that, yeah, okay, right. I'm in the midst of the trial, in the midst of whatever's going on. The worst thing you can tell someone is, don't worry. That's not what they want to hear, right? No one wants to hear that when you, you, I mean, you know, have you ever just felt like, you know, I want to worry. I want to worry. Like, I feel good worrying. I feel better worrying than I do if everything was okay. I, I'm getting my fix right now. So don't tell me I don't need to worry. Don't tell me not to worry. It feels good sometimes to worry. It feels good to let it run amok in your mind. It feels good to just let things turn over and just create all these ideas and all these agendas and all, you know, what it's gonna be and what the outcome's gonna look. I mean, I'm gonna tell you right now, your, your flesh wants to worry. Because, and I'm going to tell you why, worry has a prophetic component. And you were designed to create. God created you as a being that wouldn't just go with the flow, but you could dictate the flow. And so what we've got to do is we've got to flip the worry. Because really, worry and faith operate by the same methods and by the same components and by the same elements. And that's why when I see someone that's a really good worrier, I see someone that can be a really good world changer. Because they're already operating in the mechanics. Because worry is picturing what has not yet happened and faith is picturing what has not yet happened. So he's saying, do not worry. 
He's saying, don't exercise that ability that I've given you to create something and to picture something and to believe in something that is not. Don't use that against yourself. Use it for your good. Therefore, do not worry. Do not worry about, and he doesn't even just pick a specific, like do not worry about your bills. Do not worry about your health or do not worry about your kid that just got a driver's license and, 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 and do, do not worry about, uh, uh, you know, what they say about you and do not worry about how this may, no, he says, he just covers it all. Do not worry about everyday life. New King James uh, states, uh, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. Well, that pretty much covers it, right? That pretty much covers, uh, 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 you know, everything under the sun. Anything that has to do with your life, don't worry about it. Therefore, do not worry. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food in your body more than clothing? And he's picking very essential, uh, basic things that apply to everybody. Like everybody in here eats and everybody in here has to have something to drink and everybody in here uh, uh, has to, you know, put on clothes and everybody, those are components that are across the board. This is not, you know, specific to a certain race or a certain gender or a certain populace or demographic. Do not worry about your everyday life, the basics of what it takes to live and to proceed. Uh, he goes on to say, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? I mean, these are easy questions to answer. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Look at the next statement. Why do you have so little faith? That worry, worrying actually diminishes our faith in God. Now, the word Worry, you've heard me say this many times, the word worry literally means to divide into parts. It's literally what that word means. It's where we get our word for anxiety, uh, stress, all this is wrapped up in this sense of worry. And it means to divide into parts. Worry is a picture of someone that is conflicted. Worry is a picture of someone uh, if I can use a better word, distracted. Distracted. And I believe, and I believe many of you would agree with me, that worry in our culture, in our day and age today, is at an all-time high. All-time high. Not just the amount of worry, not, not just the quantity of our worry, but even the quality of our worry is at a level today. We worry about stuff 
that we weren't even designed to worry about. And I believe it's directly related to the amount of distractions that we have in our lives today. Worry is at an all-time high because I believe distractions are at an all-time high. I believe we are the most distracted generation that has ever walked this planet. The opposite of distraction is focus. The opposite of worry is a razor, laser, sharp focus. Faith is a result. If worry is a result of distraction, faith is a result of focus. Faith is a result of a fixed gaze, look on one thing, not multiple. Have you ever noticed that worry just builds on itself? That you start out, you know, with one scenario, and if you let that grow and you allow that to accumulate in your mind and 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 and, and in your and, and see this is the thing about worry is it's attacking your mind before it's ever attacking your life. <laughs> Most of the stuff we worry about isn't reality. It's just mentality. It's just in my mind. You're not really that bad off. It's not really, uh, you know, we, we take what it is and, and we make it way worse than it really ever could be. It didn't even have the potential to be that bad. But we can take it down so many paths and we can draw up these ideas. Again, this is a God-given ability, a God-given component of our life to live in a world or to create a world that we do not yet see. That was given to you by God, but the enemy wants nothing more than to turn that on you and for you to create a world that you were not designed to live in, a, a world that, that talks down to your purpose and a world that tells you you don't have any, uh, uh, you don't have a vision for your life and you'll never make a difference and, and, and this is gonna be the outcome and, and, and all of what you're not gonna do rather than what you can do. And so worry is like a snowball. It, it, it begins uh, usually with the report. That's where worry begins. And you can't blame the report. We're not responsible for the report. We're responsible for the response. What's the response to the report? I mean, one of my favorite passages, not because it's an exciting, it's really a, a really sad case of lost potential, but Numbers chapter 13, where the Israelites find themselves on the edge of the promised land, this thing that they've been believing for, this thing that they've been promised, there was a report given that they would acquire the promised land. And they send in 12 spies. Mo Moses, by the command of God, sends in 12 spies. 12 spies not to determine if they can, but to determine how they can. And so these 12 spies go in. Only two come back with a good report. And all 12 saw the same things. Like they didn't split up and Joshua and Caleb, you know, ended up on this beautiful pathway with all this water everywhere and, and, and just, you know, made friends along the way. They saw the giants. They saw the enemies. They saw the fortified uh, cities. They saw all the, all the uh, uh, stuff that, you know, maybe wasn't as exciting to find out, but, but it's all about how you see it. It's not what you see, it's how you see it. 
And so worry creates a perspective. You know, people that worry, they'll turn something good into bad. You can give them a brand new car and and they're going to complain about the gas mileage. You can give them a a beautiful brand new home. They'll say, who's going to clean this place? (laughs) Right? It's a perspective. And, and, And people that are steeped in worry, man, I mean, they can't see good in anything. But we also know that person that sees the good in everything, right? They, say, they see good in sunny days and rainy days. Sunny days, I can go outside. Rainy days, I can take a nap. Oh, I just love it. <laughs> Those are the people that usually irritate the worry people. Are you kidding me? It's a ridiculous outside. It's the, it, you know, the whole thing's opened up. I just love it. It's so peaceful, the rain. I'm going to read a book today. I'm going to finish an entire book. Get away from me. It's so, it is, it, it is, worry is this innate ability that God has given us to picture, to see, and to ultimately create a realm that is not yet there. Works the same way as faith. So when I'm operating in worry, I'm diminishing my faith. I'm weakening my faith. My faith is being strained. My faith is in a position where it cannot be strengthened. This is the thing about faith. We all have faith. The, the, the question is not about Uh, do I have faith? It's about what state is my faith in? Like we all have muscles in here. But the question is, is what state are your muscles? What state is your, and, and so we can all develop our faith to greater or lesser degrees. And we can all develop our worry to greater or lesser degrees. So if worry can be strengthened, worry can be weakened. If worry can be strengthened, then it stands to reason that worry can be weakened. If, if, my, if my worry grows by what I consume, then my worry weakens by what I eliminate. You with me? He's saying, therefore, do not worry. Do not allow worry to run its course. Do not allow worry to take over your mind. Do not allow worry to take over your thought process. He's he's saying this for a reason because worried people don't get the same results as faith people. We have to recognize this. We can't just go through life worried and think that whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. No, your worry will create just like your faith will create. It will do this. He's giving us this instruction. You know, Paul over in Philippians uh, uh, chapter four says, be anxious for nothing. Now they're not saying that God's going to eliminate the things to worry about. (laughs) You know, Paul's writing, be anxious for nothing from a jail cell. They call Philippians the happiest book in the Bible, he talks about joy. That, that same passage in, in Philippians chapter four, he states, rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. <laughs> He's building up on this thing. He's writing this from a jail cell surrounded by stuff we don't even wanna talk about, not knowing if tomorrow or today is his last day on this planet. 
doing what God called him to do, not outside of God's will, in God's will. Be anxious for nothing. So this, this worry component is, is dangerous to our lives. Now, worry has to do with our thought process. That's where worry takes place. It, but it takes place in our mind, but it bears results in our lives. Worry takes place in our minds, in our thinking, in our mentality. And man, I, I, I've been listening to an individual She's a neuroscience and, and she talks about the brain and, and how God, and God has created just, our, our brain is just unbelievable. But she says that worry literally causes brain damage. When you allow your mentality to think on worry and to consume things that, that move you to worry, it literally causes brain damage. You're killing cells. Like your body wasn't designed to take that. That's how God designed us. It's incredible. Um, so worry is a mentality in our mind that eventually bears results in our lives. It, it will actually take on a, a, a flesh result. It will actually take on a physical uh, uh, appearance you can tell when someone's worried. It, it, it affects your demeanor, affects your attitude, it affects your behavior, uh, it affects your responses. Uh, it affects so many things, even in the natural realm. It does not stay just in a mental capacity, is what I'm trying to say. It will bear results. But we know that faith can do the same thing. We know that faith, which is in an unseen place, can bear results in a seen place place. Amen. What is Jesus's answer? What is the antidote to worry? What is the answer? How? Okay, I, I get it. I get it. I'm convicted. I, I feel you. I, therefore, do not worry. Okay, I don't want to worry. I don't want to worry. I don't. Have you ever tried that? I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to worry. I'm worried about it. I'm not going to think about pink elephants with blue polka dots. I'm not going to think about pink elephants. What are you thinking about right now? You're thinking about the very thing that you're trying to not think about. You know, that verse that says, cast down every imagination. I've tried casting down imaginations by imagining it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to get rid of the imagination. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to not think about it. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not thinking about it. This is what he says. Uh, let's see. Let's go back up there. I need verse 26. Verse 26, what's the first word? Look, look, look. Why? Because worry is a result of what I'm looking at. Worry is a result of what I'm consuming. I mean, let's just get practical. Let's say, uh, you know, you're having some issues in your body. And so you don't know what's going on. You say, I gotta go to the doctor. I gotta find out what's going on right? Because it's dysfunctional. And that's what we do. We want to fix dysfunction. It's not working the way it's designed to work. It's causing issues. We're going to get this thing checked out. Go to the doctor. He gives you a report. And you go ahead. You think of the worst report you could possibly get from this doctor based on these symptoms that you're getting. And he gives you 
the worst report. It's just a report. We've talked about that before. It's just a report. That's just what they say. They're doing the best they can. Thank you, doctor. Now, it's up to me. The report is up to them. The response is up to me. And worry comes based upon me taking the incorrect response to the report. It's very simple. It, it could be any tragic thing. It could be, you know, any, any report in your life. For these 12 spies that went in and the, the Israelites are now faced with this dilemma, a conflict, right? You can't have conflict unless you have two sides. If the 12 spies all come back and say, right for the taking, let's go, we got this. Then guess what? Nobody in the crowd saying, oh, I don't know. <laughs> They're all gonna be excited. But now you've got a division in the group. And not only that, we've got a majority decision. We got 10 out of 12. That's overwhelming. 10 out of 12. Only two come back and say, we got this. So obviously the natural instinct is to respond to the overwhelming report. You know, God only needs one. I say God only needs one. You only need one word from God to come against 10 words from the enemy. That's all you need. God doesn't, have to, God doesn't have to pile it up. God doesn't have to work hard to convince. God doesn't have to give you all these cases. All you need is one. All you need is one time, one moment, one instance, one word from God that can overcome any and every word from the enemy. Joshua and Caleb didn't care about what the other 10 said. They, they, they weren't concerned. What, what, you know what? You know what, Jedediah? You're right. Those giants were big. I mean, you know, God gave us the land. I believe that, but, you know, may, maybe it is a bit much. They didn't care that 10 came against their report. They stood strong on their report. They, stood, they, they, stood, they, they said, are you kidding me right now? Do you know what God said? This is what we have believed from day one. This is what our forefathers believed. This is what our aunts, this was spoken to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob years before we even entered into captivity. And the same, the same God that brought him through is gonna bring us through. This was all supposed to happen. He spoke it to Father Abraham and said that this would take place and we would end up captive in, a, in, a, in someone else's land. But he spoke that we would go in. And so it doesn't matter what it looks like. This is what God said. And God said, it overrides what I see. And they stuck to their guns and they stayed. Why? Because they didn't allow themselves to be moved by something in the natural. Stuff in the natural can't override stuff in the spiritual. And what God says in a spirit realm is more important than what you see in a natural realm. And so you get this report. And now it's your response. It's your response to it. And so Jesus' answer for worry, therefore do not worry, his answer is look at the birds. You go down to uh, verse Verse 28. Verse 28, so why do you worry about your clothing? What's the next word? Look, the new King James says, consider. 
consider. He's not denying the natural. He's just telling you to look somewhere else. He's telling you to look somewhere else. Now, if we don't change our look, if we don't consider something else, if we don't consider that there's a word on this subject, if we don't consider what God can do, if we don't put our consideration somewhere else, our consumption determines our confidence. Our consumption determines our confidence. What you, have you ever noticed that what you consume eventually consumes you? You can tell what people are consuming when it's what consumes them. I mean, you don't, you don't talk every day uh, uh, about CNN and, and, and about the state of our nation and, and the state of our government and da-da-da unless you're consuming it. It doesn't consume you until you consume it. And guess what? That's on us. I control what I consume. That's in my control. That's in my realm. And I can turn it off. I can shut it down. I mean, my, my phone here has this really awesome feature built into it. It has these buttons on the side. And when I push, they made it so difficult now. I used to do this with one hand. When I push this one and this one, it says slide to power off. And all I have to do is slide and look at that. Can you believe that? I mean, I'm not getting any messages. I'm not getting any news reports. I can't see what's happening in so-and-so's house 12,000 miles away from me. I, I, I can't see what you know, how good of a mom they are, which they just got done yelling at their kids to smile in the photo that they just took to put on Facebook to make them look like they're doing okay. But we don't show that part. We're not gonna video that or, or, or you know, photograph that part. Smile. Man, I've got pictures of Camden with tears in his eyes smiling. Because I'm standing behind the camera making faces and threats that don't show up in the photo. The photo's on the wall. The photo has been screen pitted. It's been blown up. It is as big as you want to make it. And if you zoom in really good, that's the fakest smile you'll ever see in his life. But you wouldn't know it. We're just a happy family. We pray all the time in our house. I don't know what y'all are doing. That's all we do. We read the Bible and pray and take communion before every meal. <laughs> yeah, that's what they want you to see. So now I'm basing my life off of someone else's promotion and someone else's performance, and I'm not doing so well as a mom anymore, and I must be blowing it and missing it, and my kids are rambunctious, going crazy, and, 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 you know, and, and, and now what? I'm worried. Now that worry begins to consume me because I'm consuming it. It's controlling me because I'm not taking control over what I consume. That's what Jesus' answer is. Look at the birds. Remember, remember Abraham, he goes to Abraham 
God, and he says, you're going to be a father of many nations. Now, look, you tell a 75-year-old man that hasn't had any kids and is married to someone that is unable to have kids, and you say, you're going to be a father, not just of a child, of many nations. I mean, he's just taking this thing and taking it, you know, exponential growth we're talking about here. You will be the father of every nation on this planet that comes after you. And so, obviously, Abraham's having a little problem. You know, Sarah had a big problem, and she laughed, and she even tried to argue with God. Are you, you, you really want to argue with God? You Think twice before we ask any more questions and have any more responses. But Abraham, what does God do? He says, look at the stars. I can't count the stars. I can't count them. That's right. My point exactly. So many of them that you can't count. Still struggling? A little bit. Look at the, count the grains of sand on the beach. I can't count them? Exactly. That's my point. So many that you can't count. What's he saying? You look up, you look down, and you're going to be reminded of my faithfulness. You're going to be reminded of why I can do it and why you can't, and it's bigger than you, but I'm going to be working through you. He's helping him. What's he doing? Consider. Consume something else. Consume something else than than your body that uh, Romans said he considered his body. It was weak. It could not produce. Sarah's body was weak in the womb, could not produce. And and, and so that that consideration, this is the thing. We never change what we consider. And we wonder why we're still worried. And then worry produces those results in our lives. And we don't get the results that we know the word promises us. Worry is an active component, or uh, 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 to, to, to override worry, you've got to have some activation of some things in your life. We, worry uh, will, will, will set in. If you remain idle and you don't, it's amazing how many people that, are, that, I, that we counsel or are confronted and, and, and they're, they're seriously worried. And look, I'm not denying they don't have situations to worry about. I get it. It's shocking. It's traumatic, it's painful, disruptive, out of nowhere. I get that. But then they don't want to change what they consume. And then when we try to actually help people and say, what does the word say? Oh, yeah, I know what the word, I know what the word says. But, but this is what they're saying. This is what the doctor said. This is what, this is what the, 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 the mortgage people are saying. Or this is what's happening in my marriage. Or, or this is where my kids are. And, and so they want to continue to give me what they have consumed. And they don't want to consume what I'm telling them to consume and change what you're considering. I mean, what could happen? What's the worst that could happen? But it's because people want to worry. People want to live in that place of what might be. It creates the same feeling within you that faith does, but yet it doesn't produce the result. And so we've got to change this. His answer is to look at something else. Uh, he went on to say down and that if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers, 
that are here today, thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. And in essence, what he's saying is, is, is the thing that you're worried about, God's already taken care of it. This is in essence what he's saying. You're worried about clothing? Consider the lilies. He's got them so well taken care of that not even Solomon and all his Gucci and, and, and all of his, his, his Louis Vuitton couldn't even compare to lilies. And you're worried about what you're going to wear. He's saying, he's got you covered. Consider, look at, goes on to say, uh, why do you have so little faith? Weak faith, immature faith. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. You see that word? Dominate the thoughts. It's taking your mind back. It's taking that control back. It's what we're talking about on weekends with middle management, that that's the, that's the realm that we've neglected. That's the realm that, that, we, that we've put aside. That's the realm that we're not allowing ourselves to take full control over. And we found out this past Sunday that our mind is ours to manage. My mind is mine to manage. Say that 10 times fast. My mind is mine to manage. Nothing else should be dominating my thought life except me. But these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father, he already knows all your needs. Now look at the next word. We know this verse. Seek. Verse 33, seek. What is that? That's actively putting my attention, my focus, my consideration, my consumption somewhere else. You know what that means? That means getting in the word. You know what that means? That means getting around people that are gonna build you up, not tear you down. Not sympathize, pat you on the back, man, I'm really sorry, I'll be here for you. But they will literally pull you out of that and they will speak life over you instead of everything else speaking death over you. And people that, will, that won't just side with your feelings, but they will get your faith built beyond your feelings and beyond what you see and beyond your emotions because God doesn't want you to live in worry. He wants you to live by faith. Those that live by worry will die by worry. But he's called us to live by faith. He says, the just shall live by faith. You've heard me say it before, but it just bears repeating. It's just a powerful quote. I heard someone say once that worry is temporary atheism. Worry is temporary atheism. When we worry, we act like God doesn't exist. Because the heavenly father, our heavenly father, he knows. Seek the kingdom of God, watch this, above all else. And live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom. That means go after, look at, consume, consider. God, 
the, the kingdom of God. Now notice it doesn't say seek God because I'm going to define this in just a moment. Above all else, live righteously. He will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. When he says seek the kingdom of God, Pastor Mark, what on earth does that mean? Seek the kingdom of God. I want to give you three things that make up the kingdom of God. I want to make this practical. I want to make this easy. You tonight, you will know what it means to seek the kingdom of God. Because kingdoms are a real thing. Kingdoms are government systems. Kingdom uh, is what God designed for this earth and designed for us to operate in on this earth. And so kingdoms are, there are elements of a kingdom that will help us understand how we can seek the kingdom above worry. Remember, this is the antidote to worry. This is the antidote to, to, to allowing our minds to run and wander and, 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 and wonder how everything is going to turn out. He says, here's my answer. Seek the kingdom of God. Well, what if I just seek God? Well, that's part of it, but we're going to seek the kingdom of God. A kingdom is a king's domain. A kingdom is his territory that he rules over. So here's what I want you to consider. Number one, seek the kingdom. Number one, that means the king. The king. You can't seek a kingdom and not seek the king. It's impossible. They are one and the same. They are not separate. As goes the king, so goes the kingdom. And a kingdom is a reflection of its king. Every time. If the kingdom's doing poor, the king is doing poor in ruling and reigning over that kingdom. If the kingdom's doing great, guess what? They've got a great king ruling over them. Financially, economically, uh, health-wise, socially, all those things. A kingdom is its king and a king is its kingdom. You cannot separate the two. So if we're gonna seek the kingdom, guess what? I gotta know who's in charge. I got to know who's on the throne. I got to know that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all that dwell in it. I got to know that God rules on this earth and in my situation as a king. And this is the thing about kings is there's no ands, ifs, or buts. There's no vote. There's no democracy. There's no what do you think about it. That's not a kingdom. That's what we live in as an Americanized, uh, you know, uh, democratic republic. That's what we live in. Well, we get a say, the people get a say, but in a kingdom, you don't. And trust me, you don't want it because God is a king of love. The Bible says that God is love. Everything he does and everything he puts in motion is out of the love of who he is. You want his laws. You want his ways. You want his authority. You want his structure. You want his standards. You want his morals. You want his word on everything you do. You want it. He's a king you want to live for and serve and do what you can. So the first thing I got to know is who's the king in a kingdom. Number two, I've got to know who am I in the kingdom? Who am I in the kingdom? 
What's my role? What's my status? What's my position? That's important. Because if I'm in this kingdom and he's this great loving king, but I'm just in here as a lowly little servant. And he doesn't really care about me. Or if I misdefine, if that's a word. <laughs> no, it's not. She's laughing at me. I had these college students like, oh, you just blew it. I had a test on that last week and you would have failed. If I don't rightly define the king's love, then I'll see myself as just some little peon that I should just be glad I'm in the kingdom. Sinner saved by grace. And he can't really do anything and he won't really do anything. Really, when it comes to God, it's really the two questions that people struggle with. Can he and will he? Can the king and will the king? just because he can doesn't mean he will. And just because he would doesn't mean he can. It's two different things that at some point we have to understand. We serve a God that can and he will. My God can do all things and he will. He will. He wants to see my needs met. So, who am I? Well, I am a child of the king. I gotta know who he is. He's the king. But who am I? I'm his child. Not just some lowly servant. Not just barely making it by. I'm a child of the king. Which brings us to the third thing. To seek the kingdom of God. Come on, we want to overcome worry tonight. It's the last night you worry. This is the last time you allow your mind to go there. It's the last time you allow that to control you, dominate it, dictate your actions, your responses, your behaviors, your ideas, your agendas, your attitudes. It's, it's over tonight because I know who the king is and I know who's on the throne. I know who I am. I know I'm his child. That means me royalty. I'm important in the kingdom of God. And so the third thing, I got to know what belongs to me. Right? It's a terrible thing for an American U.S. citizen to be in this country and not know what his rights and privileges and benefits are as an American citizen. As a child of God, as a citizen of the kingdom of God, you have to know what belongs to you. You get defeated in your ignorance. We are defeated in what we do not know. We are overcome where we do not have knowledge. That's what the Bible says. My people perish, not for a lack of weapons, not for a lack of authority, for a lack of knowledge. Hey, look, this is very surface. I know uh, we, you, you, we could spend weeks, months here, but what belongs to you? It's all right here. You know, in our country, we have a thing called a constitution. We have a bill of rights. We have the things, we have words, laws even. Laws can protect just as much as they can, whatever that other word is I'm looking for. 
Yeah, laws, laws can get you in trouble, but they can also protect you if you abide by them. If you're a law-abiding citizen, they're there for you, to help you. Well, guess what? We have the word of God. This is our constitution. This is our bill of rights. And how many of us, how many believers don't even know what this says? And the devil comes to you. I mean, what did Jesus respond with in that desert? 40 days and 40 nights. And the devil came and tempted him. And the devil knows the word. You know, the devil knows this better than a lot of believers do. But he picked the wrong enemy or he picked the wrong person uh, that day because Jesus didn't just know the word. He is the word. He was the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And every time he responded with, it is written. It is written. He knew what belonged to him. He knew who he was. He knew who his God and who his king is. And I'm telling you right now, you want to overcome worry? Know who your God is. Know who your king is. You want to overcome worry? Know who you are as a child and royalty in the kingdom of God. You want to defeat worry from here on out? Know what belongs to you and don't ever let the enemy talk you out of what belongs to you again. And you'll never worry about it again. Thank you guys so much for checking out this week's message. If there is any message that you have missed or you just want to hear again, they are all available for free on iTunes. Just search Anchor Faith Church Valdosta and be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified once the new messages are available. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our church and what we have available for you and your family, or if you'd like to donate financially to the ministry, be sure to visit our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.